You're listening to Greener Thoughts, podcast by environmental news, commentary, environmental facts, and other things you'd like to know. Today's topic is going to be about how some of the Swiss are having higher income, but that also translates to higher emissions for them. So let's get started. So hey everyone, my name is Nyla, and uh, welcome to Greener Thoughts. Whether this is your first time listening or not, thanks for coming. The podcast, Greener Thoughts, is produced every Sunday and Thursday for your enjoyment. Please be sure to send your thoughts, comments, or environmental articles by email to greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So, um, today's source is coming from ENN.com, and it's where the Environmental News Network is, and the article was exactly found via um, ETH Zurich. So, I came up with a cute little title for today's uh, podcast, and uh, I'm going to start with what needs to be said, and um, I'm going to talk about um, just while researching the article and just articles online, uh, generally, I think this um, article, you know, really stuck out to me because it's specifically about class and the environment, you know, and, you know, more so about the rich and upper class and in Switzerland, which is a country I don't necessarily always talk about. Um, and, you know, I want to talk about their output and how that correlates to their emissions into the atmosphere and um, collectively. Uh, most of the research um, I'm going to be talking about is mostly of their housing choices and mobility and all those choices and how that affects uh, emissions. And that's mainly where the problem lies. So um, let's get a bit deeper into the topic. Um, so uh, Switzerland, you know, aims at reducing its emissions, you know, period. And it's really, you know, been working in several um, different, you know, initiatives and projects uh, over the years to reduce it's uh, greenhouse gases, but um, yet it's one of the most motorized societies um, in the world. Um, so the research, you know, is more about the consum- consumption um, and energy patterns of um, Switzerland. It looked specifically um, at many different uh, people's homes um, and, and respondents, and I'll get to that in a little bit, um, the focus was primarily done, in the research was primarily done um, via a professor of sociology um, and Andres Dijkman and a social scientist named Heidi Ensler, which is great because, you know, my degree was in sociology and I feel like this connection, I love this because whenever I hear someone, okay, doing a study in sociology or research and, and having uh, an impact on uh, the research world, my ears just perk up. So uh, they sought out to do a few things. One of them was examine the extent um, to which emissions actually differed between individual uh, Swiss and, 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 and households in Switzerland. Um, and then the second thing was then see how income, for example, and um, environmental awareness actually affected the amount of emissions that were produced 
um, in the household uh, versus individuals. And they grouped um, all the uh, emissions and their outputs in three different groups um, by mobility, which is, you know, the car and, and ways of traveling to get around, housing and where they're living, and food. Now, the data, um, you know, like I was saying before, about 3,400 people were assessed and respondents from the surveys and, and data, and they came from all over Switzerland. So uh, no matter where um, in Switzerland they were, um, they were, you know, sought after for this assessment and survey. Um, and they, you know, sometimes speak many different languages. So, you know, Switzerland is a country that's, you know, small size about. So there's different regions. And I, you know, didn't know that before. But uh, they spoke different languages. And so they, you know, calculated, okay, this many people um, in this region do they, these sort of environmental activities and are aware in this way and, and versus others. So that's how they, you know, did that. Um, and then the um, comparisons were kind of shocking. So what they found were, I'm going to get to the results in a little bit, but at least 10% of the people um, whose per capita emissions were the lowest, um, that's what they tried to compare. And the lowest um, averaging CO2 per person was about 2,300 kilograms um, of CO2. And then that was versus the biggest 10% um, who actually caused the most emissions. So about 14,000 uh, kilograms of CO2 uh, per person. And then the results, I think, were pretty, you know, shocking. And there's also some really surprising things as well, I think. Um, some of the results were that actually um, the group with the highest emissions, so we're talking about the top 10% or more, um, they actually burdened the climate six times more than the group with the lowest emissions. So as you can imagine, that's pretty, you know, daunting um, statistics, but it's real. Um and then the category of mobility, so the auto choices of the Swiss and the way that they move around from, you know, from here to there, they're actually emitting 10% um, um, uh, of the greenhouse gases and they're more responsible for about 23 times um, more emissions than the 10% that emit the least. So they're in the, the Swiss that are in the top 10% of the population making X amount of dollars. Um, they actually are emitting 23 times more um, emissions, um, the 10%, than the 10% that actually do the least and aren't making, you know, as much money. Um, and then as far as housing, you know, there's prolific uh, ranges and it's about four time, 4.7 times higher um, the, the ones who are living in these affluent and bigger um, houses and they're expending more energy and their their costs and energy um, costs are rising and so they're you know definitely more almost five times more than those who aren't emitting as many co2s uh, gases into the atmosphere and then lastly food and not so bad but at least um you know there's a slight difference in 1.3 times as many co2 as much co2 um, in the atmosphere um, being produced um, so when it comes to um, some other, you know, striking things, I think about, I think about how, you know, the effect of those um, who have an income that's lower, yeah, their their emissions are to be um, expected to be lower at the same degree, but also like the amount of, you know, 
times that uh, the wealthy and the affluent are, are having on their, you know, atmosphere, on the atmosphere is really striking. And, you know, 1% is just um, how much um, lower or how much the the ones who don't have as high income, their difference in emissions is just only 1%. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, um, affect the planet as much. But those who happen to be of, you know, uh, different backgrounds, of wealthier backgrounds, they're expending so much in the atmosphere, it's six times more than the, than the lowest groups. And that was, I think, the most shocking and most scary because, you know, our planet is at risk right now. And, you know, and there's so much going on. We don't need the wealthy just throwing away the planet. And that's what really, you know, angered me about some of this data. Um, women are less likely um, to consume electricity, which is another, you know, important factor, which is good. That's a positive thing um, in the study. And also, um, depending on the region in Switzerland that you live, like I said before, you know, your environmental awareness and behavior is just different. So if you're among, you know, maybe one of the French or German speaking um, regions or have, you know, one of the smaller dialects or something, um, that you, your approach to environmentalism is different. You know, you're going to, you know, maybe bike or travel to work more often, um, not, maybe not in a motorized way. You're going to um, plant more gardens. You're going to maybe recycle more and, and, and tend to, you know, maybe buy more energy efficient products, things like that. And so, uh, you know, that's a thing that they learned, you know, in Switzerland. And then uh, some of the benefits of the study or lessons learned are that, you know, maybe there could be tax incentives for those who are, um, you know, middle income, maybe poor, so that they don't have to, you know, spend, you know, as much you know, on, on energy. And also maybe for the rich, you know, it's a bit different, you know, maybe taxing the rich and giving them incentives for um, behaving better in terms of their energy usage. Um, I think education is a very important lesson because um, everyone at all levels should be taught about how to care for the environment in just simple ways. There's so many um, different resources out there, you know, earth911.com, tree hugger, um, local and state government, and even at the federal level, ways to um, uh, be more proactive and, you know, saving energy. That's what's really important. Um, I also thought about is access to resources a problem because um, those from uh, more poor backgrounds are not making as much money. They may not, they definitely don't have what the rich, you know, have and attain. So that's an issue too. Um, not to say that the, the ones from um, less affluent backgrounds they may not produce as much, you know, energy and have as much waste and things like that, but also they could learn as much and 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 do as much too. Um, they could, you know, and in the rich they'll just have to get in line and get with the program too. They're not an exception to the rule and they can't toe the line when it comes to, oh, what I will and won't do for the environment. It's hard to say, but even though they have money, you know, you may have some power, but you're still a human being. You're still just like, um, those who, you know, are at the, at the different end of the spectrum. Um, and all of the, the information and facts that I really pointed out about the article are found in the latest journals of um, Energy Research and Social Science and then the next one of a Journal of Environmental Psychology. Um, so my overall thoughts are that I think sometimes that the 
um, rich and wealthy, they sometimes get a callous nature or have a regard for the environment that's not maybe so, um, you know, widespread. And, you know, we can't have that in our society, even though it's in Switzerland, which is thousands, thousands of miles away. Still, there are rich in America that, you know, some of them feel like they can do what they want with the environment and others are making, you know, conscious changes like, uh, you know, Matt Damon, for example, he's, you know, um, really big on water, um, water security um, and water scarcity issues. And so he's created, you know, water.org. There are other um, celebrities that have done charitable acts and are ambassadors to the UN and, and 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 helping out overseas, and which is you know powerful things. These are very important things. I just don't want the narrative around um, the rich to be that they can do whatever they want, and that no one's going to have them accountable. Like like there should be maybe some boycott or some lessening of support for these um, you know people that we look up, look at on um, you know social media and, and etc. Because if they don't care about the environment, they don't care about, you know, a lot of things. You know, that says a lot. Um, and also, I think that, you know, good intentions and in recycling, you know, is important, small changes. But bringing enough reusable shopping bags to your local grocery store and using them isn't enough. There has to be more. There has to be more widespread, thorough um, environmental, you know, actions that you can actually do. And so that's why I preach and and stay in the Mother Earth Minute so hard is because I want and, and and need for these things, you know, just as much as the next person, you know. I'm really passionate about what I talk about here. It's important and I I really support big environmental movements. You know, I was a part of the um the big um climate march that happened a few years back. And uh, it was exciting. It was a, a big change. It was when Trump was basically in office for the first few days or so. It was like the end of the month in January. And I love that spirit. It never really passed from me. And, you know, ever since I joined the Sierra Club, I've been more and more enthralled um, with issues, all types of things. And so um, I really am glad to have talked about this issue in in the news and finding this out about Switzerland and um you know maybe the narrative in the next few years about Switzerland is going to be totally different like they're going to be way um you know past uh what they are right now um and the environmental movement is growing you know there are different things I'm going to talk about later but um you know hopefully and um you know with pressure things will change in Switzerland so um, that concludes uh, the news portion of the show, and I'm going to get to the Mother Earth Minutes in a second, but I'll uh, return with a short message. Do you love Greener Thoughts? If you're able to, decide to show your support of Greener Thoughts by clicking the second link in the description box of the episode. It's a direct support link for Greener Thoughts. So the Mother Earth Minutes is just the time in the, sh- in the show where I, of course, review just a few things um, in the next um, few minutes where you can take you know actions to combat the issue we talked about in the episode. And of course, as always, saving Mother Earth. Now, um, I think that the message uh, more so, um, you know, now is about, you know, 
looking into the size of the Swiss, and that's what matters a lot. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit later how the size of the, of the Swiss population, you know, in their country kind of matters a lot um, in relation to what I'm going to be talking about in the Mother Earth Minutes. So the first thing um, I want um, to consider and for, I think, all my listeners to think about is, you know, if you live in Switzerland or are from there or have family or friends from there that maybe live there, um, how do you think that you're impacting the environment, you know, when you go outside or when you travel or um, the ways that you produce or in the ways that you don't? Um, how do you look at um, innovating, you know, products for your daily use? How do you look at, you know, building families and, and things like that? And I kind of want to know the the headspace of some of the Swiss. If there are any Swiss listeners out there, I'd be, you know, happy and enthralled to uh, accept, you know, responses from you in which you can always, you know, email them. Um, the second thing uh, I want to consider and just think about um, heavily, because I've thought about a ton of different themes and uh, things in this episode. Um, I think all these Mother Earth Minutes right now are just more about, you know, positions I guess you could take and, and things you could learn from I guess not necessarily actions but um yeah the second thing is just that I think this is a class issue um and until that issue is like really solved you know inequality even in terms of consumption and 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 what's able to be put onto the environment is going to be um an issue and a mainstay so you know if there's inequality of course the rich are always going to feel like they can um, exude more and waste more and expend more and con- and consume more, um, which is an issue and it's not a right. You know, it's not a right for someone who makes, you know, um, fifty million dollars a year to just go ahead and waste in the environment. Um, they have to be as responsible of of those who you know don't make nearly as much as that. And the third thing um, is that um, in the Research housing and mobility were, you know, some of the issues that led to the most um, consumptions of our resources and emissions. And I just think that, you know, the need to eliminate um, extravagant housing, you know, is a big factor in eliminating um, some of the bigger um, percentages of uh, greenhouse gases. So if you have, for example, um, three houses you don't really need three houses you know who needs three houses maybe you know a place to you know vacation and get away but you know that's sort of the patterns that we're seeing um with some of the affluent and even some of the middle class you know i don't know how it is in switzerland but you know if you're having three houses do you really need to be going to them and and, and you know using all that energy you know why not one house and maybe uh, half of a house or something like that, you know? Um, the fourth thing and last thing is really, I want to just talk about some of the environmental um, movements or sort of uh, events that have been going on in Switzerland, period. The first is that uh, they're really not trying to be a part of the nuclear energy uh, bandwagon. And so they've really been big on anti-nuclear protests and they're actually trying to work out phasing out nuclear energy in about 20 to 30 years, which is something. But um, according to AmericanSwiss.org, their um, first nuclear reactor, they're trying to get that shut down uh, this year in 2019. And uh, the last one, they're trying to get that done in about 2034. And uh, they... um, 
like I mentioned before in the beginning uh, of the show, that they're really, you know, big on trying to eliminate uh, uh, climate-causing um, um, things and protecting the climate in general. So they're really um, partnering up with Climate Scent Foundation. You know, I think they created that. And so their aim is to, of course, eliminate their emissions. And um, as far as that, like, the, the third thing is that the Kyoto Protocol... Um, actually, they, um, the Swiss Parliament actually made it so that they ratified that protocol um, regarding climate change in 2003, which was some time ago. And um, since then, you know, they partnered with the EU in the pledge to reduce their emissions by 8%, which is abysmal. Um, and I'm not happy about that. And then in 20, um, 2011, um, the last thing. Uh, fourth thing is that they actually were a part of the uh, climate change performance index and so they went to um, you know Mexico along with a number of other countries and representatives from um, those nations and um, they were all there because they were the 57 top nations that were producing 90% um, of the CO2s in the world and actually Europe ranked Switzerland 11th I mean 13th um, out of the, you know, 57 nations. So that's insane. Um, you know, um, Switzerland is only a bit bigger than my state of Maryland, um, which is insane. Like it is 3,534, um, and a seventh square miles difference. And, And yet it's, you know, the 11th, um, country that is causing, you know, some of the biggest CO2, percentages in the world you know this is as far as 2011 but you know that's pretty shocking like that's insane like my my state is small compared to you know some of the other states and this is a whole country that's just a little bit bigger than Maryland my state so you know to see that is it got me thinking like how could a country this small produce and do so much like I I couldn't believe it but You know, this is life for the Swiss and, you know, they really have to change as a country and their emissions, just that environmental issue has to change and their mindset has to change collectively. You know, they should be um, deep in it. Like, you know, Sweden, for example, Sweden is doing big things. They are all about renewable energy as as well and, you know, um, saving the planet. But in terms of their waste, they are big on... Um, getting down their waste at such small levels that they're actually, you know, importing waste. You know, that is a big thing, and uh, that's a beautiful thing, um, I think. So the eco fact of the day is that breathing the air in Mumbai, India for just one day is equivalent to smoking 100 cigarettes. That fact was found on factslides.com, the premier source and a great source that I use for facts and knowledge period. And they also have a wonderful book entitled um, 1001 Facts uh, and it's big and I love it and you can check it out wherever you buy your books. Call to action is time and green of thoughts where I would love anyone who is um, an environmentalist and maybe has a story that they'd like to share um, or maybe nominate someone else um, or of course yourself and they and you or, or they um, demonstrate some 
type of environmental stewardship and love and care for the environment or even work in the environment, um, I'd love to know your story. And so if you could, you could send a 200-word essay to the email address, greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciate it. And uh, you may be in store for something really special. The Eco Company Spotlight is um, the time in Greener Thoughts where I'd love for any company or any representative who happens to be of a company to, you know, showcase their product or service that happens to be environmentally friendly and, of course, have me review it. And I definitely love to do that. And you can, of course, introduce companies um, that you think are great. Um, but for one thing I'm going to introduce, and I've been doing this so far, is introducing companies that you may or may not have heard of that I think are wonderful um, and especially um, supporting and um, introducing uh, Black-owned businesses, especially because it's Black um, History Month. So uh, the first, this uh, first company or this uh, other company in the chain of companies that I've been talking about, one of them is Me and the Bees Lemonade. And so I want you to imagine a sweet young Black uh, teen girl and who's a buzzing entrepreneur and who's loving what she does, and uh, her name is uh, Michaela, and uh, that's who I'm going to be talking about. Uh, so imagine the same girl, Michaela, who is passionate about bees, and by the way of um, a children's business event many years ago, she actually started a company, and um, now her product is selling out fast uh, with her classic and delicious lemonade at youth entrepreneurial events, and... Um, also, Michaela does all of these things while donating a percentage of her profits to local and international organizations that are actually working hard to fight um, to save the bees. And uh, nowadays, um, her lemonade is award-winning, and Me and the Bees Lemonade is buzzing off shelves uh, all across the United States, and especially in Whole Foods markets, um, which, of course, is the world's natural uh, uh, leader in uh, natural and organic foods, and it's at a ton of uh, growing restaurants, small and big, food trailers you may have seen her product in, and of course, natural food delivery companies. And her slogan, uh, she coined herself, is buy a bottle, save a bee. Now, Me and the Bees Lemonade can be found on the website, uh, www.meandthebees.com, on her social media platforms, and on Facebook, especially um, where you can see interesting bee facts and learn more about her lemonade, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, and of course YouTube, and also through the mail um, at Me and the Bees Lemonade, P.O. Box 498 um, or 40098 in Austin, Texas, zip code 78704. And lastly, you can contact her at the page at her uh, website, www.meandthebees.com, and click the contact uh, link and tab to access that page. So uh, uh, I wanted to thank you all to, uh, you know, joining me in listening and, you know, being a part of this conversation about class and consumption in Switzerland, in Swiss country, and uh, if you really like this episode, be sure to share it, uh, mark it as a favorite if you really, really liked it. And um, be sure to, you know, take hold of the messages that I've talked about and also, uh, you know, exploring the eco company that I talked about in this episode. So uh, happy Black History Month and uh, please tune in for the next episode. And uh, thank you all for listening again. Okay, take care. Bye.